our beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about how much cleaning or cleansing is a part of our lives. We clean the dishes. We wash the laundry. We mop the floor. We clean the room. We clean the the farm machinery and the equipment. Almost everything in life needs cleaning, needs cleansing. And not just once, but, but over and over again. And sometimes maybe it can get a little tiring. You know, you, you just finish cleaning the floor and, and all of a sudden the, the kids come crashing in through the door after playing outside in, in the mud and the dirt and there's your nice clean floor all dirty again. And you wonder, is it even worth doing? Should I even bother? Sometimes we can have the same sort of questions about Christ cleansing us from sin. Is it really worth seeking? We can ask that question for all kinds of reasons. Maybe we don't think we really need cleansing. Surely we're not that bad. We're not that dirty. Or perhaps we don't really want his cleansing. We kind of like our sin. We like being dirty. Or maybe we think we're too dirty. We're too unclean. We think Christ maybe isn't able or maybe he's not willing to cleanse us from the same sins or or from that sin, whatever that sin is. And so we think maybe we just have to live with it. Maybe Christ's cleansing is just not worth seeking. Well, in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, our text for this morning we learn from Christ's cleansing of an unclean leper that his cleansing is worth seeking. That's the lesson we hope to learn with God's help this morning. We will consider our text under the theme, Christ's cleansing of the unclean. And and we hope to learn this lesson, that Christ's cleansing of the unclean is a a cleansing worth seeking. It's, It's worth every one of us seeking. We'll learn that, first of all, from the leper's desire for Christ's cleansing. Secondly, from the details of Christ's cleansing. And thirdly, from the display of his cleansing. Christ's cleansing of the unclean, the desire for his cleansing, the details of his cleansing, and the display of his cleansing. Well, congregation, since chapter 4, Matthew has been describing Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And he has just finished recording Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, A sermon that that opened up the law of God as a law that's not about externals, but it goes right to our hearts. It examines our hearts. It was a sermon that amazed the people because he preached, Jesus preached, Matthew tells us, in the end of of chapter uh, 3, he preached, or chapter 7, he preached with such authority. But now Matthew takes us down from the mountain to show us that Christ's authority is not just in his preaching, but it's in his dealing with human misery. And he begins with perhaps one of the most striking pictures of that misery. A leper. Look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. We see the leper's desire 
for Christ's cleansing, don't we? Children, what is a, what is a leper? Well, we need to understand a little bit about leprosy in order to answer that question. Commentators debate whether it's the same thing as what doctors call leprosy today. But let's just stay away from that for now and, and just stick with the Bible's own description of it. If you stick with that, it's not hard to see that it was a horrible and a dreaded skin disease. We read uh, some of, some, a description of some of that in, from Leviticus 13. And, and that chapter tells us about something about it, its effects. Effects that included deep, swelling sores that could spread over the body. The discoloring of your skin. And even raw flesh. But the worst part about leprosy wasn't what it did to your body. It's what it did to your life. Because you see, if you noticed something on the skin that looked like leprosy, as a Jew, you would have to go to the priest. And if he examined it and determined that you really had leprosy, he would pronounce you unclean. That was like death to an Israelite. Because to, pronounce, to, be, to be pronounced unclean meant you had to live alone apart from everyone else, apart from the covenant people of God. You were an outcast. You were banished from the worship of God and from the very presence of God. And worst of all, leprosy was incurable, except by a miracle from God, the God from whose presence you had been banished. You can think, children, of of the story of Naaman. Do you remember the story of Naaman in 2 Kings 5? He was a Syrian general, wasn't he? And he had leprosy and his, uh, his servant girl from Israel uh, told his, his wife about somebody in Israel who could, could heal leprosy. And, and so a letter gets sent from the Syrian king to the Israelite king. And what does the Israelite king say when he opens that letter and he reads it? What does he do? He, he rends his clothes and he says, Am I God to kill And to make alive that this man to send unto me to to recover or to heal a man of his leprosy. That's what this man that came to Jesus had. Oh, what a miserable, what a wretched condition he was in. Luke tells us, you can read about about, uh, the the same account both in Mark and in Luke. and, And Luke tells us in his account that this man was full of leprosy. And it's because of that condition. And it's in that condition that this man comes to Jesus desiring his cleansing. Try, try to picture it in your minds for a moment. Jesus is surrounded by, by great multitudes of people, as verse 1 tells us. And this man, full of leprosy and all his misery and all his uncleanness, boldly, shamelessly dares to approach the crowd. If he was following the law in in Leviticus, we we don't know. But if he was, his head would have been uncovered. His clothes would have been torn. He would have been covering his his upper lip, his mustache, and he would be crying, unclean, unclean. And what what would the crowd be doing, congregation? Well, the crowd would be melting away, making way for him because they don't want to get his leprosy. They don't want to get, if they touch him, they'll be unclean. They don't want to be unclean. And so they make way for him so that this leper comes straight up to Jesus and flings himself down in front of him and worships him. And he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The point to see here, congregation, is that the leper desires Christ's cleansing out of an awareness of his miserable condition. 
He doesn't hide his uncleanness. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't try to cover it up. And he doesn't minimize it, but he humbly admits it. The very awfulness of his misery is what brought that desire by the work of the Spirit really to, for that cleansing, for Christ's cleansing, so that he sought it. He sought it because of and even in his uncleanness. And how much more shouldn't we? Now maybe you think, well, I'm, just wait a minute here, I'm not a leper. But aren't you? No, of course, we, we don't have this physical disease of, of leprosy. But you and, and I, we, we have something far worse, a misery far worse. We have a spiritual leprosy. We sang about it from, from Psalm 51, Psalter 140. A psalm which David writes as a converted man after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband Uriah. Like David in that psalm, each of us is brought forth in iniquity and conceived in sin. That means that we are unclean through and through. There is not one part of your and my heart that is untouched by sin. Our, our mind, our will, our affections, our emotions, our entire being is defiled and corrupted. That is why, that's why we do bad things and say bad things and think bad things. That's why we break God's law. And that's why we're separated from God by nature banished from his presence and under his holy wrath. And just like that leper, we're unable, unable to bring ourselves back, unable to cleanse the stain of sin in ourselves. Isaiah 64 verse 6 puts it this way so strikingly, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away, away from the presence and the blessing of God. That's the condition of every one of us by nature. The question is not, are you a leper? The question is, are you desiring Christ's cleansing? Have you come because of your miserable, wretched condition and in that condition to Christ, seeking his cleansing? Or do you try and ignore it? Do you try and pretend like you're better than you are? Do you try to cover it up? Do you, do you, do you pretend like you really aren't all that bad? Isn't it much better, congregation, to face up to the reality, the reality that all of us are sinners, the reality even perhaps of that specific sin that you are hiding right now in your life and to come, to come seeking his cleansing. Nothing else mattered to the leper except that, except Christ's cleansing. How much does it matter to you and to me? But maybe you say, I know I'm unclean and I know I, I, I need his cleansing, but, but I have a problem. I, I have nothing to give him. Maybe you feel your unworthiness and, and maybe you think you can't come to him. You know, the leper, the leper knew he was unworthy too. But he still came to Christ 
seeking, desiring his cleansing. And how, how does he deal with his own unworthiness? Well, listen again to what he says to the Lord. He says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What is that, congregation, if thou wilt? Is that an expression of unbelief, of doubt? Well, what does unbelief do? Unbelief doesn't, doesn't bring a person to Jesus. Unbelief keeps us away from Jesus. This is not unbelief. This is a recognition on the, on, on the part of the leper that there is nothing in himself that makes him worthy of Christ's cleansing. He desires Christ's cleansing, you see, but he doesn't demand it. He doesn't say, he doesn't come to Jesus and, he, and say, you have to heal me because I'm a circumcised Jew. Or, or, or you, you have to heal me because, because I didn't get leprosy on purpose. He doesn't say even, I've prayed for cleansing every day, so you must cleanse me. No, he doesn't try to manipulate the Lord, but he bows in the dust before him, and he admits that he has nothing in his hands to bring. Nothing but his own misery, his own miserable condition, and his unworthiness. He confesses that he is completely and totally dependent on the willingness of the Lord. Christ's cleansing was worth seeking for the leper. In his miserable condition, yes, even as totally unworthy of that cleansing as he was. Because he knew. He knew he could never make himself worthy. And neither can we. Sometimes we can forget that, can't we? Even Christians can forget that. We think, Somehow that we can do something to make God hear us, to make him to help us, whether that help comes in the, the help that we want is forgiveness or, or guidance or material blessings or whatever. Oh, how we need to beware, also as Christians, of subtly denying our uncleanness, our unworthiness, our spiritual bankruptcy, our total depravity. We need Christ, you see, and his cleansing every single day day of our lives. And we are and remain completely dependent on his sovereign grace for that cleansing every day too. Do you come to Christ seeking his cleansing, desiring his cleansing in your miserable condition, confessing it to him, bringing it to him, and even in your unworthiness? Well, the leper's desire shows that Christ's cleansing is worth seeking for all of us because all of us are unworthy sinners. But there's, there's one more thing we want to point out about his desire because his desire was born not only out of a, a sense and awareness of who he was, but it was also born out of an awareness of who, something of who Christ was and is. The leper not only realized that he was a miserable wretch, he also realized that Jesus was and is the majestic God. Verse 2 says that he worships him. To worship someone, congregation, means to honor, to recognize someone as God. And that's what the leper is doing here. He recognizes and honors Jesus as God. And that deity of Jesus, the, the, the godness, if, if, if I can use that expression, of Jesus, is what gave him hope, what fueled his desire for cleansing. Because, because remember, leprosy was incurable, except by a miracle from God. 
God was a leper's only hope. And so for this leper to come to Jesus and to worship him was basically to say to him, you are my God. My hope is in you. That's why he goes on to call him Lord. The the true and living God. The God of Israel. And that's why he confesses that he is the God of all power. The God who can and who who is able to make him clean. Leper though he is, the deity and the almighty power of Christ fueled his desire and his hope for cleansing. And congregation, we still have the same Christ today. The Christ who cleanses cleanses the unclean lepers is the Christ who cleanses unclean sinners. And he has not changed. He still is God. He always will be God. And therefore he has all power, power to make sinners like you and like me clean. You know, when somebody is suffering from a terminal illness, you hope, you pray, you look for somebody who could help. If you, if you were suffering from an illness like that, you would, and, and you heard of a doctor who had just found the cure for that illness, you would seek it, wouldn't you? You would desire it. You would, you would come to him with your condition. You would come to him even with your unworthiness and say, can you help me? How much more than shouldn't we do that with Jesus Christ? Seeking his cure, seeking his cleansing, the cleansing of the great physician, Jesus Christ. Maybe you say, I, I, I believe he can cleanse me, perhaps. I, I believe maybe he can forgive me, but, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go to him. You see, my sins are too many, I think. My sins are too big. They're, they're too great. And, and Christ is so, he is God. He is so holy. How can he ever want to have any dealings with me? Oh, then we must keep reading and see that Christ's cleansing is a cleansing worth seeking, not only from the leper's desire for his cleansing, but also from the details of his cleansing. That's our second point. What happens, children? What happens when this, this helpless leper comes to Jesus, flings himself down on his face before him, and asks that question, Lord, if thou art willing, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What, what happens? Does the Lord Jesus back away from him? Does he say to the leper, get away from me, don't defile me, don't make me unclean? No. Look at verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus cleansed the man's leprosy. And, 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 and Matthew, he, he zooms in the camera here, as it were. He tells us the details to show us that Christ's cleansing of the unclean is a cleansing that sparkles, sparkles with his tenderness and with his grace and his willingness and power. Notice, first of all, Jesus' tender touch. He stretches out his hand, he puts forth his hand, and he touches the leper. He doesn't draw back. He doesn't tense up. When he hears the man's request, moved with compassion, Mark tells us in his gospel, Jesus touches him. Oh, what tenderness Christ displays. 
No, this would have shocked the people who were watching. Because according to the law in Leviticus 5, we didn't read that, but according to that chapter, anyone who touched anything unclean, and that included then lepers, was considered guilty and would have to bring an offering to the priest for atonement. But now, here in this passage, Jesus does exactly that. He touches the leper. And even though his perfect holiness and purity meant that he did not and could not defile himself by that touch, many in the crowd would not have understood that. Try to imagine yourself there for a moment. As Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the unclean leper, listen to the crowd gasp. He touched him? He touched him? But oh, Oh, how that touch must have, what that must have felt like for that unclean leper. Just imagine it again. Imagine yourself now as a leper. You haven't been touched in years. Ever since the priest first diagnosed you with leprosy, no one, not even your spouse or your children, has touched you. No one has come and put, a, put their arm around you and, and given you an encouraging squeeze to let you know they, they care. That was what the leper would have experienced. But now as he bows in the dust at Jesus' feet, wondering, wondering what will he do, his heart full of anxiety, full of fear, he feels the tender touch of the Savior, the touch of the hand of God. Because that's what's happening here, congregation. The hand of Jesus here is the hand of God. Matthew's told us earlier in his book that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so his touch is God's touch. His, and his tenderly touching the unclean leper in, in, our, in our passage is a picture for us to help us to see that God is full of tender compassion toward unclean sinners in and through his Son, Jesus Christ. In Christ, there is a tenderness toward every unclean sinner who comes to him for cleansing. He will not shy away from you. No matter how unclean and how unworthy you may feel, he will put out his hand and touch you. In congregation, this tender touch of Jesus should fill us. It should fill us with fresh wonder and amazement at the gospel. Especially when, as can happen so easily, we have become dull to it. And that can happen. We can become dull to hearing that Jesus, as a son of God, took on our flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, yet remained himself untainted by sin to save sinners like you and me. How many times? How many times don't we sit in church and hear the gospel proclaimed and we just don't get it? We're just not moved by it. We just don't see or understand that we don't deserve it. But the reality is, congregation, that what we deserve is not the tender touch of Jesus. What we, what we deserve is not his hand touching us. But we deserve the hand of God against us. And if you really understand that, then the sparkling tenderness of God in Christ's cleansing of both unclean lepers and unclean sinners should do two things. The first thing it should do is to absolutely blow our minds. 
And the second thing it should do is rule our hearts so that we cannot and we do not, we will not stay away from him no matter how unclean and how unworthy we are, but drawn by the cords of his love, we come to Christ for cleansing from our uncleanness. Yes, when it so rules our heart that that happens by grace, by the Spirit of God to us, then we'll want others to come to him too. Then we'll invite and we'll welcome people to church, even though they might be different from us, even though outwardly they may even be uh, outwardly filthy and dirty and smelly, then we'll be willing to sit next to such people and to love them. We'll be willing to tell them about about the uncleanness that is in our hearts by nature, to tell them about sin, and, and then we'll be so willing and eager to tell them about Jesus. And then too, when there is confession of sin and repentance from sin, the result of that won't be ostracizing or gossiping or shaming. But the result will be rejoicing. The result will be that we we encourage such people. We come alongside them. We pray with them. We tell them the gospel again and again and again because you see when you have not only seen the tenderness of God sparkling in in Christ's cleansing of of, of, of sinners but come to him and experience it for yourself. And that same tenderness and compassion will begin to sparkle in you. But maybe you say, how can I be sure? How can I be sure he'll cleanse me? Well, because of another detail in our text. A detail that underscores and highlights and emphasizes Christ's willingness to cleanse the unclean. Do you remember how the leper felt and, and confessed his own unworthiness? Remember what he said. If thou wilt, Lord. He was confessing his, his, his total dependence on Christ's grace, on Christ's willingness. And notice how Jesus responds. His first words. I will. Oh, what tender and reassuring words. Words that sparkle with Christ's willingness and grace. They're not just expressing Christ's resolve. They're expressing his desire, his delight. And that is, that is incomprehensible to us, isn't it? You know, I, my, my, when I was in, living in Ontario in the last Ten years or so, I, I worked for an insurance restoration company. And part of that job involved being on call for a week at a time, 24-7, for any emergency calls that might happen and we would have to deal with and clean up. And I, I remember one time getting a call about 1 a.m. in the morning. You know what the call was for? A sewage backup. Well, I'll tell you, I went to that sewage backup, but I did it not because I delighted in it. I did it because I had to, because it was, it was my job. But the mystery of the gospel, the incomprehensible mystery of the gospel, is that Christ is willing to cleanse. It's that he delights to cleanse the unclean sinner who is in a condition 
that is far worse than any sewage backup. And he doesn't say, I, I'll go because I'll cleanse him because it's my job. He doesn't say, I, I'm willing to go if no one else is, or I, I guess I will if I have to. No, he simply says, I will. I delight to do it. It's just one word in the Greek, but what a word it is. What a word it is to you who may be here this morning or you who are listening online and, and you're, you're aware and you're ashamed of your sin. You're overwhelmed with a sense of your uncleanness and unworthiness and you're afraid. You're afraid that Jesus won't be willing to cleanse you. It's a word for you who have, who have come to him, but you're, 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 you've come to him and you're at his feet and you're pleading and you're wondering and you're fearing. It's a word for, for those of you who have been there a long time. And it's a word for those of you who have been there many a time. It's a word for whoever you are right now. Listen, oh listen to Christ's word to the unclean leper. A word that he gives to you, no matter how unclean and unworthy you are. I will. Let it sink in. And if you have been holding back, let that word draw you as unclean as you are to him. And if you are at his feet, full of fears, full of anxieties, with a broken and a contrite heart, let that word calm you and give you peace. I will. But he doesn't just say he will. You see here in the last detail of Christ's cleansing that he actually does. You see that in the middle of verse 3, Jesus says to the leper, I will be thou clean. Be cleansed. Oh, what a word that is. A word that pulsates with the power of God. It's not just a wish. It's a command. And the effect is immediate. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Beloved, that is the gospel. Christ really does cleanse the unclean who come to him in faith. He does what we cannot do for ourselves and he does it immediately by his word, by his authority and power and by his spirit. He creates in us a clean heart. He does it the first time we come to him in repentance and faith and he does it again the second time we come to him in repentance and faith and he does it over and over and over and over again every time we come to him. His cleansing, a cleansing that renews and restores, is a cleansing worth seeking. But maybe you ask, how can this be? How can the Holy Son of God be able to cleanse us from all our sin? It's by His blood. That's what 1 John 1 verse 7 says. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Son of God that cleanses from all sin. The blood that, that he willingly shed, his own blood on the cross for sinners. And that blood congregation is sufficient to cleanse all sin. The Canons of Dort, Head 2, Article 3, puts it this way so beautifully. The death of the Son of God is the only and most 
perfect sacrifice and satisfaction for sin. And it is of infinite worth and value, abundantly sufficient to expiate or atone for the sins of the whole world. Oh, what reason? What reason not to stay away? but to run to Jesus Christ, to seek his cleansing. You cannot say on the basis of of this text, verse 3, that he doesn't want to have dealings with you, as if your sin would or could keep him away. He is most tenderly willing and able to cleanse from all sin. Yes, he is willing and able to make you, with all the filthiness you may be covered in, Spiritually, this moment, he is able to make you sparkle with his beauty. Well, that's going too far, maybe someone says. It can't be that good. Well, then consider with me our third and last point, the display of Christ's cleansing, a display that Christ himself commands in verse 4. Right after cleansing the leper, Jesus says to him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. You know, at first this seems kind of a strange command, doesn't it? Why would Jesus not want the cleansed leper to tell anyone what had just happened? Is it because he wants to hide the cleansing? Is it because perhaps he doesn't want to cleanse anyone else? Is it because he's not able to cleanse other people? And why would he tell him to go to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded? Was his cleansing not complete? No, that's not it at all. The reason for Jesus' command is the total opposite. He wants his cleansing to be displayed not in the way the leper thinks best or the way we might think best, but in the way that he thinks and knows is best. He wants his cleansing displayed for or as a testimony in a way that all Israel and all who hear of it from the word of God would know without a doubt that his cleansing is so worth seeking. It's worth everyone seeking. You see, with this command, Jesus makes clear that his cleansing testifies to his fulfillment of the law. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had made very clear, I I have come not to destroy the law or to abolish the law, I have come to fulfill it. And, and, and Jesus demonstrates that here in our, our passage. He warns the man not to immediately go and tell others what Christ had done for him, but to go show himself to the priest in Jerusalem and offer the gift that Moses had commanded. Now, you remember reading about that a few, few minutes ago in Leviticus 14? It was quite an ordeal. Going to the priest to be officially cleansed was an eight-day process that included various sacrifices and ceremonies. But by doing that, by keeping the law, the ceremonial law here, the cleansed leper would learn for himself and declare to the world that Christ's cleansing of the unclean is a cleansing that honors and fulfills the law. And that's an important lesson. Also, as we consider his cleansing of unclean sinners, 
Because just like his cleansing of the leper, his cleansing of sinners, of unclean sinners, doesn't circumvent God's law, doesn't find a loophole in the law. No, it fulfills God's law. It upholds it. It satisfies all of the law's demands, including the demand of blood sacrifice. And that is reason for every sinner here to seek his cleansing and to rejoice in his cleansing, to be confident even, yes, even at the moment of death because you can know that his cleansing is complete. It has fully satisfied God's justice. And also, it is reason to show as those who have been cleansed to show our thankfulness to God by upholding the law that Christ himself upheld in the way of thanksgiving and independence on him. But the display of Christ's cleansing is also a testimony to something else. It is a testimony, a witness, that he is the Messiah appointed and sent by God. The long-promised Messiah, the one who had, who had promised already in Genesis 3, verse 15, who had reversed the curse, who had crushed the serpent's head. In Matthew 11, verse 5, just a few chapters later, Jesus mentions that his cleansing of the lepers is one of the proofs that he is the Messiah, the one anointed by God to deliver and to redeem his people. And so that's what this cleansing, the, 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 the leper's display of the cleansing to the priests would testify, that Jesus is the Messiah. And oh, what a wonderful and what an encouraging testimony that is to those who, who, who have come to him and who are trusting in him. This is the one, this is the one that had been promised that, that the Lord said would bring comfort to his people and would proclaim uh, the pardon of our iniquity and of our sins. But at the same time, it is a testimony, a very sobering testimony to those who reject and ignore him, who do not repent. But the display of Christ's cleansing is a testimony, lastly, to God's acceptance and restoration of every sinner he cleanses. You see, it was by that ceremony, it was by that ritual that the cleansed lepers, as we read, were brought back into the camp. It was by that ceremony that they were brought back into fellowship, into the presence of God, into fellowship with him and with his people. And that is what Christ's cleansing of the unclean sinners testifies to us also, of unclean lepers testifies to us also. It testifies that Christ's cleansing of, of sinners, of the unclean spiritually, reconciles them to God. It restores them to fellowship with God so that they begin to live life the way that God intended it to be. That's what Christ's cleansing of the unclean is all about. The sad thing is that in Mark's gospel, we learn that the man whom Christ cleansed from his leprosy didn't get that. He didn't listen to Jesus. He went and told people, and that made life very difficult for Jesus. But that's not Matthew's concern. Matthew's concern is to make us see the absolute worth of Christ cleansing from our spiritual leprosy, from our sin. It's a cleansing which Christ secured by his death on the cross when he stretched out his hands, including that hand that touched the leper as he was made sin and a curse in the place of sinners so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is a cleansing worth seeking. 
Don't you agree? Are you seeking it? Oh, to not seek, to not know his cleansing means to still be unclean in God's eyes. And the Bible makes very clear that no unclean person will enter the kingdom of Christ and of God. If you die in your uncleanness, there is only one place, hell. It's a place of everlasting uncleanness, the place of God's eternal wrath, place without ever any hope of cleansing. But you're not there yet. Don't stay away from Christ. Don't, don't ignore him. But let us come to him. Yes, and, and, and you who have come to him many a time and who have learned by grace to come to him again and again, then keep coming to Christ. He is most able and he is most willing to cleanse. As someone once put it, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. So come. Come to him now in faith by the power of the Spirit. Cry to him for cleansing and then proclaim him. Rejoice in his cleansing and proclaim him to the lost and those who are still unclean spiritually around you, in your family, in your workplaces, in your community, and in the world. Christ's cleansing of the unclean is worth seeking. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how can we ever plumb the depths of your magnificent grace in Christ Jesus? Oh, how different you are from us. That you are willing, that you delight to cleanse even the most unclean sinner. We thank you, O Lord, for Matthew's record inspired by the Spirit of Christ's cleansing of the leper that is so full of lessons for us. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would work in each one of our hearts, drawing us to Jesus, that we would come with a desire for his cleansing, and that we, we, we would rejoice in the knowledge that he is willing and he is able to cleanse and he does cleanse. For we all need it. We all are unclean. We all are unworthy. We are great sinners. But we serve a great God. We have a great God and a great Savior. So we pray that you would also make us willing, make us eager to demonstrate your tenderness and your compassion to those around us, your love and kindness in telling others about their need of Jesus and in telling others about Jesus' death on the cross for sinners. And you would bless it all, O Lord, in your abundant grace to bring many to yourself. Bless the classes that happen in a few moments. Help the teachers and help the children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us sing in closing from Psalter 280 based on Psalm 103. Psalter 280 and we'll sing verses 1, 3, 